This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com. Of course, On The Grid is powered by theracetalk.com and speaking of that, Richard Crowell to join us shortly to wrap up what was a very, very hot and interesting weekend over in Adelaide at the Superloop 500. We'll hear from Crowley in just a tick. Also have a chat to Abby Eaton, who has made her debut in the Dunlop Super 2 Series, the English driver. And we'll find out uh, how she's handling that series as well. All that to come right here on The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com. All right, speaking of the racetalk.com, time to catch up with Krause for a bit of a chat. G'day, Richard. Morning, mate. What an interesting weekend. Uh, bloody hot. Yeah. Have you stopped sweating yet? <laughs> oh, man. I, I tell you what, the, the, the Friday, Saturday was hot, and for people that weren't in Adelaide, it was just pure heat. So that was sort of okay. You know, you, you can handle that. But then on the Sunday when we got that bit of humidity as well with the heat, that just finished off the weekend, and I was knackered on Monday when I got home. Yeah, you wouldn't want to be a racing car driver that weekend, would you? It was nice. At least we had the shelter of the air conditioning to uh, to dive into rather than doing a workout in a 65-degree sauna uh, where the floor pan was over 100 degrees Amazing. centigrade and was burning your feet. Yeah, it was remarkable, wasn't it? But that's part of the game sometimes is these uh, challenging weekends of weather. And for the most part, it looked like everyone stood up to it really well and all the preparation and the heat rules that Supercar put in place with mandatory cool suits and driver venting and things like that worked really well. So positive positive stuff that they got through it. But, yeah, it was, it was challenging. It just added another layer of complexity to the opening round of the championship. And you said everyone got through it okay. One guy that didn't was uh, Cam Waters, who uh, finished, of course, on the podium on the Sunday. We got a chance to speak to him in the press conference, and he was telling us uh, about how bad his feet were and how they got mm. severely burnt on the Saturday. Yeah, yeah, they did, and, and he was to the point of, I think, left foot accelerating in Sunday's race, swapping his feet around to try and drive. Um, but, you know, I mean, he, he got through it, and he said, look, you, you sort of didn't think about it when you were fighting for second place with Shane Van Gisberg and breathing down your neck uh, in the end of the race. So he battled through and, and got there in the end, and you know, he'll recover in time for the Grand Prix. Yeah, look, yeah, the, the heat on the floor thing, it it, always, it, well, it doesn't surprise me. It surprises me that they don't engineer a solution to it because um, a little bit of insulation surely might be the key. And for the weight penalty that that would cause, surely there's enough of a return in your skin on your driver's feet remaining fixed in place rather yeah. than peeling off a few days later. So, yeah, well, I'm sure they'll look at that at some point in the future for uh, for those kind of extreme races, especially if the calendar continues its push into summer. Um so anyway, that's uh, that's just one of the various things that a professional uh, supercars driver has to deal with in this day and age. Exactly right. Maybe some of that space shuttle stuff. That, yeah, uh, that works. There's it's a few of those around, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. A couple of the teams have got plenty of gold lying around. I'm just 
lie on the inside of the floor with it. Why not? Why not? Uh, what a great weekend for the Mustang for its taboo into our category, uh, the new version of the Mustang. Of course, we've had the Mustang in uh, in touring cars here in Australia in the past. Been a long time since it won a race and uh, wins both of them. At Adelaide, takes a couple of poles as well, and uh, Scotty McLaughlin effectively just picks up from where he left off. Yeah, which is a testament to the, the Shell V-Power Racing team and the effort that they've put in behind the scenes to get their chassis right, um, because under the skin, of course, the Mustang is the same race car as what they were using last year, although they've built, built a new car for Scott this season. Um, but they've got their chassis right. Clearly, the aero changes the Mustang have made it a nicer race car to drive um, than the must than the um, uh, what was it Ford Falcon? Yeah, That's Falcon. what it was. Uh, easy, it's a, a short term memory loss. There. Yes, uh, it, it clearly it's a nicer car to drive because more people were able to get more out of it, and that was the problem with the Falcon at the end, especially. And, and Fabian Coulthard was on record about it, saying that it suited Scotty's driving style to get the most out of it. You had to dance the car around. And it just didn't suit Fab's driving style, but it worked for Scotty, and that's why he spoke them last year. Because remember, last year he was the only really competitive Ford for the whole season. Um, what we saw on the weekend was all of the Fords pretty much being competitive again, which is what the sport needs. Um, I don't buy into the parity discussion yet. It's far too early to talk about the fact that the Mustang's got a massive advantage and it's going to dominate the sport. We're when I say we, many people were discussing exactly the same thing 12 months ago Correct. after the stunning brand new ZB Commodore had smoked the field in Shane Van Gisbergen's hands on the streets of Adelaide. And I don't know if people remember what happened in Newcastle, but pretty certain that car didn't win the championship. So uh, one weekend is not a season, make. It's a long year, uh, and the Mustang, I'm sure, will be beaten at times this season. What we are seeing, though, Shebex, is a race team and a race driver at the peak of their powers. Yep. Um, Scotty is driving as well as anyone ever has in the sport, I reckon, and that team have got that car sus. The ride control over the curbs was, was so impressive. Uh, it's got economy, it's got consistency, um, and the way he pulled away and dominated that Sunday race was really impressive. So, um, yeah, it, what we're seeing, not necessarily a new dominant brand, we're seeing a, a dominant team and driver combination winning as they should. It's the way the sport works. Just talk to Jamie Winkup about it. Yeah, well, exactly right. Uh, unfortunately, though, for that uh, DJR Team Penske uh, team, what happens in Scott McLaughlin's garage doesn't necessarily transfer into what happens in Fabian Coulthard's garage. And I thought Fabian drove really well on the weekend as well, and I thought he had an extremely strong car, but she was they found a way to mess up the weekend for him, didn't they? Yeah, well, in our hot or not rankings on the race talk, we, we gave Scott McLaughlin a hot and we gave car 12 a not. And that we didn't want to just single out Fabian in that. We wanted the whole side of the garage. They were the first to admit it. They were the first to say, and it was Ryan's story on TV on Saturday night, saying, we let the side down. We need to do a better job for Fabian. Not good enough. Yeah. Um, and they, they're aware of that. They're a pretty conscious race team about what's going on. They understand the world. Um, yeah, they, they let things down on that side, but you got to remember Fabian jumped the start as well. Rolls yes, when when popped the clutch and was outside his grid box um, and got a penalty for that. So uh, all that hard work and qualifying that really good pole lap, which was I reckon the best lap of Fabian's career. Um, all of that hard work undone by a tiny little six-inch mistake where the car popped forward over the grid box. 
remember Wink Cup did the same thing, but he didn't roll out of his grid box, got to stop before the lights went on, and of course that means no penalty. So mm-hmm. it's the one percenters across the board. It's not just the driver. It's it's everyone on that side of the team. They know that. They'll fix it. Um, but this is a guy, you know, many people saying driving for his career. He's out of contract soon, um, looking to secure his place in that team. And there's quite a few other drivers who very much love to have Roger Penske's signature on their contract. So um, there's a bit of pressure on, and it must be frustrating for poor old Fabs when Things just don't go your way, yeah. and you watch your you watch your little Kiwi teammate going out and smoking the field. It was a great uh, lap by him in that first uh, uh, shootout, and of course grabbing pole position. But I reckon for me, the lap of qualifying or shootout from the weekend was that of Shane Van Gisbergen's to come out in P10 in shootout number two and basically all but take pole position apart from Scott McLaughlin. That was an amazing drive first up. Yeah, it was, and uh, they admitted that they made some pretty big changes to that car between qualifying and the shootout, and they just threw the kitchen sink at it, and it seemed to work, which was really good. Um, it was a great lap, wasn't it? And and to improve from that far back to be on, get yourself on the front row, as Shane said, that gave them a fighting chance at yeah. competing for the victory rather than competing for fifth place or whatever it might have been. I, I'm certain that they would have moved forward anyway, and, and they may well have contended for a podium, but they wouldn't have been able to challenge for a victory like they did on Sunday had he not pulled that lap out. It was good. It was a good shootout on Sunday. Really enjoyed it. And the the storylines that came through it, like Todd Hazelwood's performance was outstanding to get in. And the reaction from the crowds and and the the PA team did a really nice job of firing them up, which is great. And you, you need that in a parochial environment as well, especially Adelaide, as you well know. Well, most of um, them have probably brought sausages at a Bunnings well, for exactly top right. They're, at some Indirectly, point. they've all helped fund his <laughs> racing career. So, um, yeah, really, really good stuff. And that it was a great lap. He chucked everything at it and ultimately improved a couple of positions. So, uh, terrific story. And, and I think we're going to see more of that this year with a bunch of different guys. Uh, Mark Winterbottom in the Irwin car will see every now and then pop up, I would have thought. Um, you know, but the other half of the Tickford garage that um, didn't have quite so good a weekend. You know, Lee Holdsworth showed glimpses of speed. Um, hopefully, Jack LeBrock, when he gets some current Triple Eight upgrades on the uh, truck assist car at Techno, will have some extra performance as well. And we'll just see these these performances pop up every now and then, which is what I want to see. And, and that's a really good story for the season. Well, it just mixes it up a bit, doesn't it? So it's sort of pretty much the same up the front, but it's not. It's a little bit different when you've got a few other faces popping their head up and down. We, uh, You mentioned the, the hot and not uh, column in the racetalk.com this week, which is going to be a feature uh, of most, of not most, but all of uh, the supercar weekends. And uh, just a couple of other things to, to grab off that list. Uh, the In the not category, I don't think we were too impressed with uh, the boys at Wilkinshaw and Ready United? No, well, I mean, all the talk in the off-season was after what was a reasonably positive season last year, they looked like they were making progress, didn't they? Yeah. Um, and of all the tracks to completely fail on, was you wouldn't have thought it would be Adelaide because their street circuit form, even in their tough years of the last four or five seasons, their street circuit form has been great. Um, and James Courtney in particular on the streets of Adelaide's had a great track record, won the thing twice um, and been on the podium quite regularly. They were nowhere. Yeah. One top 10 finish over the two races out of uh, four potential um, finishes there was was not a good story. Scott Pye getting caught up in the fence with 
the bottle of car at the new turn seven wall, which we also gave a knock to, um, wasn't great. So that didn't help his course, but they were nowhere and, and they got, they got roundly beaten by the likes of Brad Jones Racing, who were outstanding, and we gave them a big hot oh, team um, team of the round. Uh, team of the round for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe With what they had to quite, achieve. Yeah, fourth and fifth in race two was an outstanding job. And, but at the same time, having to fix Macaulay Jones's car to the extent yeah. that they had to as well, that was just a massive weekend for that team. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was huge, and and just typical canny strategy from from Bradley, but. But those cars were fast, and, and Percat was a contender on pace in both days. Slade, not so much Saturday, or well, not quite so much Saturday, but um, some good strategic calls from the Freightliner car dragged them up the order on Sunday, and they dodged the melee in pit lane on Sunday as well and managed to get some ground out of that. So, yeah, really impressive stuff for BJR. And, and I think if you'd, if you'd sat down and said, Okay, second Holden team after the the Red Bull cars in Adelaide. Who will it be? Everyone would have probably gone home Walkinshaw based on previous form, but uh, and possibly Erebus as well based on the end of last season. But Erebus had a strangely quiet weekend. Walkinshaw were nowhere, and Brad Jones Racing were really really impressive. So all power to them. I had the opportunity of asking Shane Van Gisbergen a question in the press conference, and I posted it towards the. Catastrophe, the mayhem that happened in pit lane, uh, of course, with Rick Kelly and also Chas Mossett. This is what Shane Van Gisbergen had to say about the possibility of closing pit lane during a safety car period. What about pit lane being open during safety car, Shane? Do you think it's an advantage or Um, could we close it? You could close it like NASCAR, but then it changes the dynamic of the racing. So every pit stop will be as early as possible so you don't get caught with the pit lane being closed. It'll just change the dynamic of the racing. Um, there's probably things we can do to make it safer, you know, wider pit lanes and stuff like that. But then you've got Phillip Island, which is the opposite. So there's probably some things you could do to make it safer for everyone working in pit lane. But I think the racing we got with pit lane being open is, is good. Um, but, yeah, there's things we could do to make it safer for sure. So he was sort of a little bit in two minds, I think, Crowley, in regards to his response. Uh, Tim Edwards the same when asked the question, uh, what does he think? Uh, because effectively, supercars have sort of listened maybe to that question or they've had it on their mind for a while and they're going to close pit lane during the Phillip Island event during a safety car period as a test just to see how it goes. Yeah, and now, for starters, since they've announced that, I bet you any money that both races at Phillip Island have no safety car. Watch watch the world go, <laughs> no, we don't want you to try that. Uh, so that that'll, be, that'll be typical, won't it? That, that's just the way uh, the world yeah. will conspire to work. Yeah, um, yeah it, look, it's an interesting one, and clearly it's been on their mind for a while to try and fix some of this chaos in pit lane. Um, I've been pretty vocal about double stacking in the past and trying to find a way to avoid it. And, and that melee in pit lane wasn't directly caused by a double stack, but it was indirectly caused by it. When cars were out of line, Chaz Mostert was parked at an angle. The car in front of Chaz was parked at a, a more acute angle, so Mostert couldn't get out, and they were parked at those angles because there were cars in their way when they yeah. pulled into pit lane. So they had to come in really sharp. They had three bites at getting Chaz's car out into the lane, had to pull it back. And then, of course, they managed to release him into the path of Rick Kelly, who decided for whatever reason that Breaking was not going to be a thing that happened at that point in time. It spun the Ford around, and there was all sorts of drama. So, um, stacking is one thing. What what closing the pit? My fear is is that it's going to affect the quality of the races and, and dictate that there'll be sort of mandatory pit windows 
that aren't particularly mandatory, but just based on the race. In that this, the earliest possible moment you can pit, you're going to have to pit to put fuel in. Yeah. And then you'll pit your second car a lap later, and then everyone's going to stop really early in the race. So let's assume you've got two stops. They'll get them done as early as they can, and then the last stint is just going to be this really long pounding around waiting for the flag because no one's going to want to risk their race by staying out long in case a safety car comes out. Mm. Because if you get track position, but then a safety car comes out and you can't dive into pit lane to service your car, you're stuffed, absolutely stuffed. Yeah. Because you'll be at the front of the train, but you'll have half a dozen or more cars behind you with fresh rubber or cars that have already stopped and that have got 40 seconds up their sleeve. So when you pit, when the pits open, you lose all of that track position or if they do it when uh, they go back to green, then your race is stuffed. So um, it will rule out, I think, some of that strategic variability that you get. And, and for example, cars bailing in early in, in Adelaide in both races, with four or five cars each race stop On early. On the first lap, yeah. Yeah, yeah, to get themselves into clean air. Um, I, you may well see the entire field doing that next time, and that would be a weird thing to see for no particular reason other than no one wants to risk being caught up by a um, mm. caught up by a safety car because they can't pit, they can't get that free stop under yellow. Um, I'm not convinced it's a solution. Uh, from the show point of view, I, I tend to agree with Tim in that I like people rolling the dice, and if you can get a stop under safety car, all the power to you. Good on you. Um, that's just part of the the way that strategy works out in the sport. So. I just don't think it's going to fix the main problem, which is chaos in pit lane, because everyone's still going to try and pit at the same time. It's just going to happen under green flag conditions really early in the race, rather than everyone bailing in to try and get a stop under safety car. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. We need to see it in action, but I bet you we won't, because I bet you we won't have a safety car at Phillip Island. Well, hopefully we do get that chance in a few weeks' time. Of course, uh, we've got the Grand Prix this weekend, or next weekend, I should say, coming up. And then a couple of weeks after that, it's Tasmania. And then directly the week after Tassie is Phillip Island. So we won't get too long. Uh, we don't have too long to wait to find out whether that does happen. Now, that hot and not list is in on the racetalk.com. Go and have a look at it. There's plenty of uh, interesting ones in there. And we'd love your thoughts about it as well on Twitter and also on Facebook. Uh, just while we've got your quasi support categories, gee whiz, it was a, a tough weekend for a couple of uh, Carrera Cup cars, uh, Dale Stevens. And Steve Richards in the very first three or four laps of practice one out. And uh, Steve Richards, interesting story about Garth Tander sending him mm. a message and saying, mate, uh, if you're on your way home, I'm available tomorrow to help you. Yeah, they've been mates for a long time. And, uh, yeah, GT popped round to Chez Richo's and uh, helped him strip down the O'Brien car for uh, their rebuild. So that car's already in the crash shop. Yeah, Richo was home by... Uh, 9am Friday morning and the car was stripped by that afternoon and he was on the couch with a beverage watching the motor racing. So, yeah, not a great um, not a great outcome for Richo. Massive shame, former champion of the series. And out early in the weekend is the last thing you want to see when you're making your return to a category as well. So all of a sudden he's, you know, three rounds behind. And if you're Nick McBride, he's 180 points behind the championship leader. So really tough weekend, but he'll bounce back at the Grand Prix and I'm sure he'll win some races this year. Um, championship just might be a little bit difficult. Yeah, it bit, certainly, that place. Uh, Adrian Flack in one of the races yeah. drilled turn eight. Dave Stevens drilled turn eight as well. Um, that was the crash that Richo was caught up in. There was some other collateral damage, but otherwise a great weekend for Curra Cup. Nick McBride just driving out of his skin. Best weekend I've ever seen 
saw the young Victorian lawyer and um, three race wins from second on the grid. Um, led David Wall home in every race. Outstanding start to the championship. Um, and he goes well at Albert Park as well. So maybe he could be a contender for that very prestigious championship this year. Another category that we can quickly look at also is the Super 2s. There was some great racing there over the weekend as well. And just proof to us that... Uh, uh, you know, there, there's some good, good talent waiting in the wings uh, should they be needed at some point in the next year or two. Yeah, and proof that if at first you don't succeed, try again, because Bryce Forward's been trying for a while now in Super 2 and it just all gelled on the weekend and um, we put him in the power rankings as well in the hot list because we thought he deserved it. Really impressive weekend, first victory. Uh, and Matt White has got his Nissan's going better than the uh, former factory Nissan team. Yes. Um, as was the case at times last year as well. So, um, yeah, really good for Bryce. But the Kistiki, all of the Kastiki boys seem to be quick as well. Tom Randall was fast but had a crash. Um, yeah, there's some good talent in that grid. And the Gary Rogers cars, Mason Barbera was a bit yeah, of a, very good. a surprise package as well. So, yeah, lots of like in, in S2. Lots of like in, in Super 3, which will start at Phillip Island, I think, as well. That's going to be a really competitive category. So, yeah, the, the young talent coming up through the ranks is, is shaping up to be in a pretty healthy place at the moment in the world of supercar racing. Yeah, it's certainly good. And uh, the good news coming out of Super 3 as well is that uh, you've got a, a new driver coming into the category, a, a young lady. Yeah, out of New Zealand, former karting champion. Madeline oh, Stewart. Yeah, current karting champion. Um, yeah, she's a bit of a gun. Brad Jones has got two cars for the, the full season this year for the five rounds. Um, so oh, Bradley's just get the succession plan in place for the main game team, which is terrific. Um, he's doing a very nice job. So very cool. Yeah, great addition. And there's going to be half a dozen kids in that field that are, are going to be seriously competitive at every round. And, and then the usual mix of older cars and gentlemen drivers and stuff like that, which is cool. So, yeah, looking forward to the uh, Kumo Super 3 Series, which kicked off at Phillip Island. And we'll cover that here on the grid. And uh, we'll see if they can make the... The power rankings, they're grandiosely named, but, gee, they've got a bit of reaction since we uh, we dropped them on Tuesday morning, so I'm looking forward to it uh, to be a uh, a regular thing on the year, and we'd love people to get involved, as you said, at, at the Race Talk on Twitter or uh, Facebook, and if you say something is hot that we like, we'll throw it in the rankings and give you credit for it. So we'd love to see what people think about the world and how not just supercars. We'd uh, like your thoughts on the support category or the event mm. or the weather or – the pie you had at the concession stand at Turn 1, whatever it might be, let us know, and uh, we'll see if you get in the hot or not rankings. I have to concede you cannot beat a South Australian village pie. They're pretty bloody good, aren't they? Pretty, uh, yeah, pretty damn highlight. good. Mm. All right, mate, uh, a, once again, a comprehensive wrap of, uh, of the weekend. Look forward to having a chat to you next week when we preview the 2019 Australian Formula One Grand Prix season and the first race here at Albert Park. We'll have a look at what's happening in the Supercars, Carrera Cup as well. It's going to be a big show next week. We might need some help. Yeah, yeah. well, let's see who we can find. Surely right. there's a big name we can drag out for the weekend. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure we can. I'm sure we will. All right, mate, thanks for your time as always, Quasi. Talk to you again soon. See you, Shabex. Richard Crowell joining us here on The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com. Abby Eaton coming up next.
what an interesting life it's been for this young lady, Abby Eaton. She's an English racing car driver. When I say that, she comes from England. She's been involved with the uh, the Top Gear guys in regards to uh, their new show and the like. And she's over here in Australia driving in the Super 2 Series, hopefully for the remainder of the year, but definitely for this uh, first round in Adelaide. Let's have a listen to a chat I had with Abby Eaton over the weekend in Adelaide. Well, we're catching up with Abby Eaton. Abby, first of all, welcome to Australia. How are you enjoying it? Yeah, I'm having a good time so far. A little bit warmer than I was expecting, but uh, yeah, it's good fun. Fantastic. Uh, how's that heat affected you so far this weekend in Adelaide? It, uh, is it something that you'd be used to at all? I wouldn't, wouldn't get this hot over in Europe, would it? <laughs> no, I think definitely probably 28 or 29, something like that. We get over in Europe quite consistently, but... Um, you know, you've got all the gizmos over here, so you've got the cool suit and the um, the helmet air, air vent as well. So kind of keeping cool is at the top of the list um, to do, but obviously it's difficult anyway. But at the end of 40 minutes, you're going to be slightly pink in the face. Been used to driving GT cars over the last few years. How have you found the uh, the Super 2 cars here in Australia? So Super 2 is completely different to a GT car. Um, you know, GT cars, you've got the traction control, you've got ABS, and you've got air conditioning, actually, in GT cars as well. Um, so, yeah, it's a completely different kettle of fish, the, the Super 2. And to add to that as well, first time on a street circuit. So I've got lots going on um, this weekend, and each time I go out, just getting better and better is my aim. Well, let's talk about the first time on a street circuit. How eye-opening is for you? I mean, have that first day you went out on Thursday for your first practice session, did you think, what in the hell am I doing? Just the amount of bumps on the on the track. You know, you watch onboard footage and you can see, right, there's a bump there and so on. But until you actually drive it, um, you know, the severity of, of the bumps and the jumps is, is huge. Um, so that's the kind of thing to, to get my head around. And to be honest, turn eight that everyone has obviously warned me about it's pretty straightforward like you just go in as fast as you can and don't hit the wall um but it's uh, the bumpy parts on the entry into like term four and and that that's kind of the, the difficult part you've been driving since you were 10 years old karting and, and waking you out i know dad did a bit of driving as well was that the reason for you getting into it yeah definitely i was at track since i was two months old so i've grown up around it watching my dad racing and it's always been something that i've wanted to do and it took a couple of years of pestering my dad actually for him to get me a go-kart to start so it was always going to happen at some point i don't like making that differential differ i don't like making the uh differential what's the word i'm looking for maddie the i don't know i'll end at this differential differentiate i don't like to differentiate that's the one I don't like to differentiate between male and female drivers because at the end of the day you're all motor racing drivers but how have you found a f- being a female in a predominantly male world? I'm absolutely fine. No different to probably what the guys feel. Um, like any category, you've always got to kind of earn the respect of the people around you. Um, I've been lucky enough to have kind of good results beforehand that I've kind of earned that respect. Obviously, this is completely different um, style of driving to what I'm used to, so it's just kind of going back to basics and relearning it again. Um, and I, I've raced against John Culland uh, last year a few times, and he said that, that this is probably one of the hardest cars he's ever driven in a supercar. Just technique-wise, it takes a lot to learn. Yeah, John Collins had a fantastic career over here in Formula 3, so knows the Australian scene really well. Uh, MX-5, you've driven GT cars, BMWs, Maseratis, Ferraris. Oh, what's your favourite car to race? Um, probably, in terms of fun, the supercar is extremely fun. Um, you know, when we did the two tests in December at Queensland and um, Winton, you know, you really get a feel for the car, and it's probably 
the thing that I'm kind of struggling with most this weekend is just the circuit and just getting my head around putting the two together. You know, we go to a, a proper race circuit and that's kind of my normal um, normal home. So, yeah, the supercar is super, super fun for the, um, the joke there. Um, and, yeah, if I can just get to grips with the circuit a bit more, I think we'll be there. We hear a lot of Australian kids and parents complaining about the cost of having to race over in Europe, just how expensive it is. Have you found, is that the same for you guys coming over here? Do you think that we're an expensive category of racing or is it compared to what's over in Europe, is it uh, good value for money? Um, I guess kind of a similar-ish comparison is the British Touring Car Championship in the UK. And, you know, to race the season in that, it's probably still between 300 to maybe £500,000. So it's probably not too dissimilar to what the main game kind of costs are. Um, probably a bit bit less, if anything. But the thing that you get over here is a really massive kind of um, circus around it, you know, the, the um, entertainment on the weekend. And I think that's what attracts the crowds as well. Um, so I just think that the kind of atmosphere at a supercar round is just amazing. You know, the first time I went to Newcastle when I landed in the morning and went straight there, it was just amazing. And the start on the grid is just, yeah, it makes the hairs stand up on your arm. Being in the Super 2 uh, paddock around here, you've been getting the chance to listen to a lot of the bands uh, do their warm-ups as well. So you'll get to hear the Red Hot Chili Peppers tomorrow, which will be pretty good as well. They're all part of the entertainment. Uh, racing? Uh, tougher here have you found than it is over in England I mean uh, is just based on the car is it a a tougher series to racing yeah I think Super 2 there's a lot of supercars in general there's a lot down to technique Um, and as everyone will say it's the braking technique so kind of you know that initial hit on the brake you know in a GT car you stamp on it as hard as you can whereas in these you've kind of got to lean on the brakes and then put the pressure in otherwise it just unsettles the car because it's you know such a big thing um, and it's bleeding off the brakes as well and, and carrying the speed in. So that's the kind of thing that I've been working on all weekend is just getting the technique right with that. Um, in terms of, of the racing um, and the drivers, you know, the cars haven't got any aids on, so it is all down to the driver. And I do believe that the drivers in supercars and in Super 2 and, and that category are extremely, extremely good. Yeah, they certainly are. Let's talk about your TV appearances. First of all, I think you made an appearance uh, with a, a rapper in a, a show called The Drive. You won that. Tell us about that. You had to sort of coach him through a series of uh, tests. Yeah, so um, there was about 10 celebrities uh, over in the UK and it was a different kind of driving um, formula each week. So we had like mud buggies, we had single-seater racing, banger racing, like all sorts of stuff. And, yeah, we just had to kind of coach them and, and try and get them through. And then we'd let them go and have a race against each other. And each week one would get kind of eliminated. And it was so much fun. But it was freezing in January. This is when we filmed it in the UK. And it was snowing everywhere. And we were covered in mud. And it was absolutely freezing. But we all knuckled down. And it was a real laugh to work with uh, with Professor Green. Or Stephen is his, his actual name. And, of course, uh, the Grand Tour with uh, the boys, Clarkson and, and, and May and the like. Uh, how's that been? A, a fair bit of fun? Yeah, again, lots of fun. Um, the boys are super friendly, super welcoming. And, you know, as soon as I kind of went in, they welcomed me with open arms. And, you know, this, this season that's just gone past, we've had a lot of fun with some of the filming. And, um, you know, in episode five, when I raced against Jeremy in Sweden on an ice lake, um, if you've not seen it, you'll have to have a little look because it's quite funny, the, uh, the circuit that I'm driving around. Uh, yeah, it'll make you smile. I'll make sure I catch that on Amazon Prime, I think, is uh, where we get to see it over here. Uh, have they sorted out a name for you on the show? I think you started off as being called The She, and I think they've actually finished off by calling you Abby Eaton, which is not too bad. Yeah, so the whole kind of ethos thing behind it was that Jeremy just he didn't announce me as a name. 
um, because he just wanted it to be uh, the new driver, you know, not make a big song and dance about it. Um, but then, you know, everyone was saying, well, who is she? You know, tell her what's, what's, what's her name. So then in the next series, he's, you know, Abby Eaton, our test driver. So, yeah, that's, you know, really helped me out kind of profile-wise and, and publicity-wise, which has probably helped get me over here onto the grid. Um, you know, it's only a one-race deal that we've got at the moment, but, you know, I'm, I don't come from a kind of super wealthy family that can afford to ship me over here and pay for it. So, yeah, you, you know, it's been super helpful for me, really. Would you like to obviously finish off the entire season here? And if you did, would you live in Australia or would you find yourself travelling between the two? Um, yeah, I'd love to do the full season. I think there's a lot to learn through the year. I and mean, the plan that I've got is to do you know, two or three years of Super 2 and then I'd love to jump into the main game. Um, but you know, you've really got to hone your skills in, in the lower category. And if I was to race out here for the season, I'd love to live out here. You know, I think it, it's a lot to ask of on your body to fly back and forward, you know, five or six times during the year. Um, so yeah, I'm living in Newcastle at the moment, just north of Sydney, um, and I've been there since kind of November time. Got to fly back in April to do some work and some money, um, and then hopefully fly back out for Perth in May. Are you a beach girl? Oh yeah, I love the beach. I mean, I burn. I've got typical British skin. I can do about an hour, and that's it. But oh, it's lovely having the beach just ten minutes away. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks for your time, Abby. Really do appreciate it. Enjoy the remainder of the weekend, and hopefully we get to see you for the rest of the season. Cool. Thanks very much. When you were a younger. Well, that's it for another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com. Of course, On The Grid powered by theracetalk.com. Join us next week when we give you a full preview of the Australian Grand Prix here in Melbourne, Round 1 of the Formula 1 Championship for 2019. Look forward to bringing you that right here on The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com.